Well, here we are again, another episode. I know it's been a few weeks, and all of our millions of fans, I just want to apologize for, uh, you know, delaying on, on the episodes here. But uh, during that meantime, I think, I, I was in, in between jobs. Uh, we had another round of COVID. Uh, Lindley, what were you doing? Just living your best life? As best as possible. I have, I have nothing to complain about, but nothing to report either. So kind of kind of a bland sort of few weeks, actually. Yeah, and you've you've managed to dodge COVID this whole time, right? Yeah, um, f- for whatever reason, I'm I've been tested about four or five different times. Never had it, but everyone in my family's had it. Um, many friends have had it. Um, um, maybe there's something special. I'm not sure, but um, we need to start like cloning your blood and giving out. You might be superhero, you know. Like <laughs> my we we've gone through it so many times. I wish we had there. I wish there was like a punch card for COVID because we'd be getting a free sandwich by now. <laughs> we just made it through another week. Last week we had both kids home from daycare. It was exhausting. So if I start slurring my words and just dozing off in the middle of this conversation, uh, you'll know why I still haven't fully recovered. But again, we're gonna try to keep this one brief. This is another one of those short episodes we're trying out. Um, we we're doing a series on great Christian thinkers and we did one last time about Paul, the Apostle Paul, and tonight we are talking about someone called Origen. So, Lindley, tell us a little bit about who Origen is, what's his background, where did he live, when did he live, and then we'll kind of go from there. Well, you know, Origen's a very interesting character, and I think he's lost many times in terms of, you know, Christian thinkers, but he is a very important one, and, and we'll dig into that a little later on today, but... Um, Origen was born in probably about 185 AD, um, and he's a bit of an enigma. Um, he should be up there with the great thinkers, but um, many times he's left out, as I mentioned earlier. Um, he's a controversial figure, um, but he was born in a very famous place, the city of Alexandria. And Alexandria, as you well know, is known as the city of learning, um, an important place for philosophy, in, 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 in fact. Um, tell us where Alexandria, what country was that in? Oh, Alexandria is the important city in the country of Egypt, right? Egypt. So, See, there's yeah. there's an Alexandria, Virginia that I used to live in, and the, just making sure it wasn't the same. <laughs> yeah, you origin and that Alexandria would not be the same time frame. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to, good to know. Right. But anyway, so so um, the last great philosophical ideas to come forward out of the out of Greece was probably called uh, something we call Neoplatonism um, or Mid-Platonism, and that really came out of. Uh, Alexandria. Um, it's an important place for many way, shapes and form. It informs a lot of people, a lot of thinker, thinkers. Um, you've heard of Athanasius, for example. You've heard of, you know, he was from Alexandria. Um, the great Arius, um, who fought against Athanasius about the person of Christ, also came from Alexandria. Um, there was a famous library at Alexandria uh, mm-hmm. that was destroyed. Um, but yeah, so Alexandria is a very important city, very important, named after Alexander the Great, obviously. So that's where Origen comes from. And he is, you know, he informs a lot of our thinking, though we don't realize it. And again, as I said, we'll tease that out later on in the episode. Again, and this is, uh, so his era is, you know, well past the Apostles era. We're in, in, you said it's 185 AD, is that right? That's when he's born. That's correct. So so some of those councils that we know about where the Bible is being formed and theology is kind of being worked out, is that the same era? No, not at all. In fact, actually, if you want to think about it, Origen is the one who's sort of the precursor to many of those ideas that come about. For example, Mm. the collecting of the the important works for the Bible or what we call the canon, um, thoughts about who God is, what 
what is the relationship between the Father, Son, and Spirit? These are ideas and thoughts that Origen starts to write about early in early times, mm. about 200 years before those early councils. So up to this point, we know that they had, you know, the epistles of Paul and the apostles. Uh, there wasn't a, a set, you know, book that everyone would refer to that would later be the Bible. So what was going on? Was there a lot of other philosophers that would write on these things? Why did Origen stand out? And, you know, maybe who were some of his peers at the time? We know about, you know, most people, we know about the apostles, and then there's a 2,000-year gap till we hit Billy Graham. <laughs> but what was going on in those early early ages? Right. So let me whip off a few uh, important names. So there's Clement of Rome, and he grew up under Paul. So he was, uh, um, heard Paul, um, studied under Paul, so to speak, um, knew of Paul's letters, um, and he wrote his own letters, actually. Um, and that's Clement of Rome. You have Ignatius of Antioch, and again, and Ignatius, um, probably born around 96 AD, and he also knows of the early disciples, read their f- probably first or primary accounts uh, of those letters by the early apostles. Um, so yes, he's another one of them. Um, Polycarp of Smyrna was another one who was an important figure. He was a Christian bishop as well. Um, he also would have read these early letters that you're talking about, you know, the Paul's epistles, Peter's epistles, and so forth. Um, and these are important people that kind of keep the tradition alive, and they were what I would call first-generation Christians after the apostles, right, mm. so to speak. And they kind of carry on tradition. So along comes this new era where basically, you know, the those folks have now fallen by the wayside. They have passed away. They have been tortured. Some of them have died as martyrs. Um, and now there is no one with first touch reference back to the apostles or to Jesus Christ. Right, right. Okay. And this is before the Gideons were putting Bibles in everybody's hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah. So how do these how do these epistles how do they get their hands on, you know, the, the doctrines of the church and who was so who was Origen writing to when he would make these writings? You know, was he just writing this in his you know, Anne Frank diary, or was he sending this to people? Um, and then we'll get into like a little bit about what his context for thinking was and style was. But you know, why did somebody back then write like this, and and who could get their hands on it? So remember that these are what we what today we would call, we call epistles is a nice formal name, but what they really are are letters to the different churches, and it's a way of communicating important ideas, important things to the church, so that they can have continuity. Right? Many of the people were unlearned and. Only a handful of people by comparison are what we call learned men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this was important that these people capture their ideas. And again, you know, like people like Polycarp, people like uh, Eusebius, people like Polycarp of Smyrna, Ignatius of Antioch, Clement of Rome. These are important figures and they wrote stuff down. Now, what you tend to see happen is that there are other letters being circulated that are not as important or more more importantly, they were of no value. They were under pseudonyms or false names. They mm. had false doctrine in them. And those were many times refuted by these particular authors. And in which case then those letters were not valuable and they fell by the wayside. No one picked them up. No one copied them. No one sent them around to other communities because it was clear to the believing body of believers that those were false letters. Hmm, okay. Okay, so sometimes when we're asked the question, 
why aren't the letters of so-and-so still around? The answer was the community had already rejected them. Interesting. So that's why you'll hear like, well, there's a gospel of Thomas that never was picked up or a gospel of, you know, Judas or something. And it's because the community collectively said these are, these are bunk and then, Correct. you know, disregarded them. And so that's interesting that there are letters. And when you read the epistles, that's why Paul is, has so many rebukes and corrections in his letters is basically trying to herd this cats under this new theology. Uh, and so that's what was origin doing something similar or was he crafting, you know, theological concepts? You said what we believe now is a largely a part of what he, he wrote down. So tell us a little bit about that. Right. So origin is a very prolific writer. In fact, he had written close to it's by some accounts, 2000 plus books. Now that sounds like a lot to us. What's even more astonishing, if I get, as I give you an example, the Library of Cambridge University in the mid 1600s considered itself a library of certain stature. You know how many volumes they had? They had 600 plus books in there. <laughs> wow. That's the wow. university. That's the University of Cambridge, a very important yeah. university, right? It had been around for yeah. quite a long time. So, when we say that Origen wrote 2,000 plus books, um, some small, some large, we're talking about a prolific writer. So yeah. he was one who really was going to carry on the message for the community. So despite persecution, despite all the attacks on the church explicitly and implicitly, internally and externally, we see that people like Origen are the ones who soldiered on and carried on. And this is really important to understand that without people like Origen, where would we be? It would be hard to say, to be quite honest with you. And, and real quick, was, this was an era when uh, Christianity was still under attack. Is that right? Or was he kind of free to write and think? No, he he was not free to write. In fact, his if I recall correctly, his father was martyred actually under Septimus Severus. So okay. his father was a martyr, um, and he sort of like picked up the cause. Gotcha. So what 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 types of uh, things would he write about? What was his you know context? What what did he contribute to maybe what we we espouse today? So so I would say that Origen, in in order to understand him, he's the one who created what, what we today call a model for scientific theology, and that is, you know, he tried to organize his thoughts in a structured manner. So if we go back to our, our talk on Paul last week, Paul was less of a systematic thinker. Origen is more of a systematic thinker. He organizes hmm. those pieces and, and, and thoughts and ideas about Christianity as into a holistic form, right? So while Paul writes letters, you could say that Origen is writing systematic theology. He's writing a system from beginning to end, which includes all the ideas and how they all cohere as one. Hmm. So Paul, you would say Paul d- didn't write like that? No, Paul did not. We impose that on Paul's writings now, right? Because remember, mm-hmm. Paul writes letters to churches, and we go out and we typically, in biblical studies, this is what people who do are considered Bible scholars, they go and they start extracting pieces from Romans, pieces from you know First Corinthians, pieces from Second Corinthians, pieces from you know different parts of Paul's letters, and say this is Paul's theology. And so Paul's theology is embedded into a variety of letters, right? Mm, so Gotcha, gotcha. So he, he was kind of plugging leaks, maybe, in a sense of like, this issue is arising, let me write you about the spiritual gifts, or this issue is arising, let me write you about the resurrection of the dead, versus like, I'm going to 
right from start to end an organization of thoughts that progresses. Is that right? That's that's a very good way to describe it. And so, you know, if you look up, if you go, if you take Theology 101, they'll hand you a textbook and the first theological construct is the theology is is what is the nature of God? And then you'll talk about what is the nature of Jesus? What is the nature of the Holy Spirit? What is the nature of man? You'll talk about what is mm-hmm. sin, etc., etc., until you get to what is called eschatology, which is the doctrine of last things. That's what we call a systematic approach. You won't find that in Paul. There's no nothing like that in Paul, right? That's, that's so interesting. I've never considered that, you know, you hear systematic and you think, he writes like an engineer, <laughs> like boring or what, you know, like very like, you know, you get to these these sections of Paul's writings, you're like, what are you saying? You know, like, that's why I'm like, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's interesting with uh, Origen. He, he set out with a purpose to craft specific theology, obviously basing it off of the writings of the apostles. Um, and so what, you know, is there anything that he maybe put his spin on that we accept today? I'm trying to think of the right way to say that. Obviously, it's like we believe in the same sure. foundational faith, but... Yeah, so that, that's a good question. So let me start with this way. Origen is primarily, like Paul, a Hellenistic thinker. He's a Greek thinker. He organizes what he, the thoughts in the Christian, what would be Christian thoughts and Christian doctrine and Christian ideas, he organizes them around Greek philosophy. Now, mm-hmm. some people think that's, uh-oh, he's done something wrong, but in fact, that's the right thing to do in my opinion. It was what Paul did, and he continues the tradition of what Paul did, which is continuing to universalize Christianity. Now, this is an important idea. We're talking that Christianity does not belong to the Jews. Christianity, though it stems from Judaism, it's completed in and of itself in the person of Jesus Christ and is, makes him universally acceptable. And Greek categories are the right categories for us to, from which to understand that. So, mm. as a side note, I definitely have a lot of problems when people want to quote-unquote Judaize Christianity too much, in my opinion. Now, there are some who confuse uh, the importance of, of Judaism and think that it supersedes Christianity. It's not. This is not a competition. This is not one is better than the other. But Christianity supersedes and completes the task of Judaism. And I think Origen understood this. I agree with him. I agree with Paul. And I agree with the reading of Paul in that manner. Okay, so so let me list off a few things, a few basic concepts and ideas I think that Origen had that are important to his theology, that are important to our theology. Now, we won't agree with all of these things, but let's talk about how important they are because they do start to undergird all of our Christian thinking. So here's some basic concepts. Number one, God is the center of theology, and he's not to be understood anthropomorphically, but as the primal living one. He is pure, absolutely transcendent, incomprehensible spirit. Um, He cannot be named in negatives or superlatives. He simply is just simply God. There is only one God. All right, number two, there's the concept of Logos. That is God himself. So that is the Son is from the Father from the beginning and was with the the Father in the beginning. And the Son is the perfect image and embodiment of all the ideas and all of truth. The Logos, though, is, in this sense, though, subordinate to the Father, although of the same substance. Number three, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, though, proceeds from the Son 
And this is what's interesting. He says that he is less than the son, but remains and remains subordinate to him. And this concept, which I disagree with, is what really spawns a lot of the future talk around the concept of the Trinity. And this is where it blooms and blossoms onto the scene theologically. There was very little talk of the Trinity before this, but it is this idea um, and this concept of the Holy Spirit by origin that really spawns a whole conversation around the concept of Trinity. Um, he also believed that everything is a spiritual being. All spiritual beings were created by God with freedom in the beginning and that all have fallen. Those who have fallen lightly are banished to ethereal bodies like angels. Those who have sinned gravely are banished to densest bodies like the devils. And then there are those in between who are banished to human bodies. Um, it's a bit of a strange idea. I think it's tied to a Gnostic notion. Um, but what's important here, though, is that he has a basic concept of freedom for all created beings. And that's important for us. Hmm. Uh, his idea of the soul is an important one, um, I, which I think um, is that in the end, there's a journey back to God and a maturation. Every individual at some point will head back to God and will be responsible to God for their activities and actions. And then he has one final idea. That idea is the final restoration of all things, where even the evil spirits will be redeemed and everything will return to its original purity and state. Because as far as origin is concerned, God's plan cannot be thwarted. Even though this is not the desired path, in God's economy, everything will be restored. Hmm. So this is a few ideas that I thought were of interest and I found quite, uh, you know, what you can call them, concerning, interesting, but um, they definitely captured my attention, especially the last few. Yeah, for sure. So to summarize the importance of origin, you know, kind of where would you land land this segment? Well, I think there's two things we can take away. One is his is his structuring of Christianity in terms of its doctrine and thought to a more of a systemized approach. And two, a very important thing, when it came to Bible study and Bible structure, he is the one who is central for taking us to, instead of reading the Bible as only historical and literal, he applied the allegorical and symbolic method much more often in order to help rationalize some of the things that he saw happening in the text themselves. That's great. Well, that's origin. I hope you guys learned a little bit today. I sure did. Um, and we'll be doing what well, there's about five six more of these uh great christian thinkers we're gonna try to get through is that right yeah we have five more all right so we'll see you guys next time we'll do a longer discussion uh pretty soon here but we're gonna try to keep these shorter episodes coming you know we're figuring it out as we go it's season two anything's on the table so <laughs> thanks for that Lindley. thanks jonathan i appreciate the time 